This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My partner on these pods, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the sixth week of the NHL season and a number of injuries that have impacted rosters and uh, some roster shuffling as well. We are going to identify the most added and dropped players as usual, as well as identifying new opportunities for some of the players here. I want to also make some team-wide observations on today's episode now that we're approaching the quarter season mark. But before we begin, I want to congratulate my partner who pulled off a very impressive feat last week by completing a full marathon run. What about some details, AJ? Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I finished up uh, in five hours and 30 minutes uh, on uh, Sunday. Uh, it was my first uh, first full marathon. I'd done a couple halves before. Planned for a six-hour finish, so I feel good about uh, you know coming in nearly uh, a half hour ahead of time. Um, other than that, though, nothing else really feels good today. Uh, if it's a muscle group below the waist, it hurts. But <laughs> uh, otherwise, I'm I'm doing great. Happy to have uh, happy to have accomplished that. Uh, not sure if I'll ever do another one, but. Uh, I'm at least not saying no, which a lot of people have pointed out to me. You know, people ask you, oh, are you ever going to do another one? And I'm saying I'm not sure. So maybe the writing's on the wall for that one. But uh, before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week, uh, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. We'll try and get those questions answered. Uh, we have had a lot of great interactions. Uh, we really welcome those those questions. We're happy to chip in where we can. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, and as usual, we're going to go through the 31 teams and pick out a storyline or two. It seems to be easy to do on a weekly basis. There's lots going on with each of the clubs around the NHL. We always begin with the Anaheim Ducks, and we'll do so again today. 
AJ, we've been waiting on Ryan Getzlaff to come back to this lineup, but uh, recently he underwent facial surgery and can miss an additional two months joining Ryan Kessler on the IR for an extended period of time. That really kills the, the center ice position for this team. Uh, they don't have the quality of... Nobody would have quality of fill-in number one and number two like these guys. In addition to that, though, some better news. Cam Fowler is expected to return from a leg injury pretty soon, and you give the Ducks uh, nine healthy defensemen. You have to believe they're talking trade to bolster the center position from that from that position of uh, depth on the blue line. Uh, it's been something that I've been waiting for all uh, all through the off season. Actually, uh, I would think they would be most likely to consider acquiring players in their last year of a contract to get them through this tough sledding. And they've done a lot of business with the Maple Leafs over the years. So a guy like a Tyler Bozak might be a really good fit. AJ. We can say stuff like that and not be accused of tampering, but there's there's a, a fit that I see, uh, a glaring fit, uh, a real opportunity for both teams to help themselves. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, Paul, with all the extra depth, but there's you know a couple of guys that are on their blue line right now that I, I have a lot of questions about um, that you know I'm not sure can really chip in uh, enough to warrant a, a big move for for a guy like Tyler Bozak for sure. I mean, you got uh, Francois Beauchemin. He's only got two assists. Uh, he's 37 years old, uh, and so I'm not sure. You know, he's you know the kind of player that that uh, you know they'd be looking for on a return. And I don't see him trading some of these younger guys like Josh Manson, Brandon Montour. Uh, so honestly, I'm I'm not sure how that'll really shake out. I'm I'm just not sure there's a market there for it. I can certainly see why they'd want to trade away some of these commodities, but uh, I'm not sure the market's going to be there. And yeah, you mentioned those those injuries down the middle. Getzlaff, Kessler both out, and it goes on from there. Patrick Eves still sideline. Andre Case, Jared Bull, uh, Cam Fowler is technically still on IR. Ryan Miller is considered day to day. He keeps spending more time on on the injury list than in games so far this season. Uh, so definitely still some serious injury question marks for this team. And we move over, move over to Arizona. They suffered through a four-loss week. That's not a surprise. They've been losing a lot of hockey games this year. But they only scored six total goals. And that tells you much of what ails this club. At least they can be happy that Antti Ranta is back in the nets. He's been solid since his return. And they hit the road for a Canada-wide road trip that won't be a picnic but could be the season highlight for some of their Canadian-born players. That may inspire this club, so it'd be, I'll be watching that to see how they do on the Canadian swing. Seeing Jalmerson go to the IR is a huge blow for this defense core as well. He's one of the sta- stabilizing pieces there, so they'll miss him. And uh, counting Clayton Keller's points in his rookie campaign seems to be the lone bright spot in the desert there, A.J. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, I do uh, agree that the the... The blame can't be really placed on Antti Ranta. The, the offense is just not there. Although I do find it interesting that they haven't given uh, a few more starts to, to Scott Wedgwood since Ranta came back. I kind of expected more of a 50-50 split between these guys, um, but it's been all Antti Ranta so far. So we'll see if that holds out or if that changes. Just, you know, it's not even necessarily Ranta's fault. It might just be kind of a different look. Uh, as far as you know, trying to get this team to turn itself around a little bit. Now, obviously, new head coach. Uh, they've been in a rebuild for a while. Uh, there's not much that you really could have expected, but there have been some players that I think they were hoping to chip in more that really haven't. You look at Anthony Duclair. He's got just six points in 14 outings. 
Uh, Jordan Martinhook is a player who I think has the talent, but he's got just three points in 18 games. Uh, so there's just not uh, the pieces clicking that that I think they expected. And while I don't uh, envision that they thought they were going to be a playoff team, uh, I'm also not sure they thought it was going to be quite this bad either. Yeah, I, I'm with you there for sure. They were one of the favorites, actually, in a lot of preseason polling around these parts. Uh, in Boston, the Bruins were 1-3 and three last week. Four of their veterans are on the DL right now. That means uh, a lot of opportunity for younger players, and they have a bunch here that they've uh, brought into the lineup this year that we've talked about. But goal scoring is an issue with this club. Only Marshawn and Pasternak having, only f- having more than four goals uh, for any players here. I've been disappointed on defense, too, by Brandon Carlo, who has taken a huge step backward in his development on defense. It comes with not playing as much with Zdeno Chara, I think, in that regard. Charlie McAvoy, on the other hand, another young defenseman, looks like the real deal, finding a comfort level already, and he has the look of a real blue chipper, AJ. Well, I think the biggest problem with this club that you kind of highlighted, Paul, is with the exception of, you know, David Pasternak, they really don't have any depth scoring uh, outside of those kind of key guys. And so the lineup gets really thin when you've got Marchand out, Bacchus, Krejci, uh, you know, uh, Bjork even has contributed at at times this season. He's uh, questionable as well. And so I think you really start to stretch this lineup. I mean, Matt Bolesky is not a third line producer in my my opinion he's a fourth line kind of grinder that's the way i would see him jake debrusque has come to a screeching halt frank vetrano really has not lived up to expectations although he is starting to bring it together he's got two goals in his last three outings uh, but that does include a sit as well in the mix there so a lot of question marks there i think if this team's going to go anywhere they're going to have to get healthy uh, i just don't think there's enough Uh, talent right now i think some of these guys can be developed um, but they're just not showing it right now and so without those key pieces this club's really going to stall out for the rest of the season and when we we look next to buffalo aj we look at a couple of players here i'll highlight one for sure that really makes you think about think hard about watching those early hot starts uh jason pominville was a guy that had a huge offensive start to his season playing top six minutes but that's history apparently as he only has two points in his last and in his last eight games in that span as well uh what's more troubling is the eight game goalless streak by their signature player jack eichel he has only three assists in that span as well so uh, you look at this roster and it's really top heavy in terms of the goal scoring there's a few teams that are in this boat th- th- considered at 30 of their 40 goals come from only five players that's really skewed in in the wrong direction you want to see a little more balance here and when their top player is going uh, going dry it really puts pressure on this team to cut down the goals against and they've had a tough time doing that as well well, and a couple of things with this club haven't changed from when we talked about it last week. Uh, Evander Kane still is the, the source of most of their offense. And I totally agree with what you suggested, Paul, last week, that he could be trade bait, uh, you know, heading into the deadline here to get several pieces back. Uh, and then defensive scoring, they're still the only club uh, in the NHL right now without a blue liner scoring a goal. Uh, Ristolainen leads blue line points with five, uh, but that's certainly not going to cut it. You know, he's still out. So that does uh, hamper their uh, their ability to produce from there. But no goals from any defenseman at this point. Uh, and that's a true indicator of, to your point, Paul, of how top heavy they've really been. And uh, almost the same could be said for Calgary when you look at, at this team. 
and consider that Matthew Tachuk is suddenly at third in team scoring after collecting five points in his last seven games. We fielded questions about him a couple of weeks ago, and you and I agree he's a long-term keeper, keeper in season-long play. He's thriving on a second-scoring unit with Frolik and Ferland. I can't figure out, on the other hand, why Curtis Lazar is struggling so much. I've been high on this guy for a long time, but I'm ready to give up the ghost. And you can almost say the same for Sam Bennett, though he finally got his first goal of the season the other night. Uh, at least Mark Jankowski pass, uh, got his first goal out of the way earlier last week. But I'd like to see more from some of these younger guys to take some of the pressure off the top end of the scoring on this club. Well, Jankowski clearly wasn't happy with your comments last week, Paul. Uh, you know, he got that first goal, had two more last night, plus an assist. Uh, so that line, um, well, they're not all together. Lazar actually got bounced, but Bennett and Jankowski seem to be clicking. Now, I think uh, to your point about Lazar's struggle with a team that scored seven goals last night, he got one assist uh, and his ice time has been really, really down uh, in the last uh, four games. He's averaging uh, 941 of ice time. That's uh, obviously indicative of the slump. They're using him less and less. Uh, and so I think that's uh, your point to dropping him is definitely key. I, I think you need to ditch him as soon as possible. Uh, it is nice to see Yager starting to click as well. He's got three points in the last two games. Uh, so I think this team's on the upswing overall. They got Travis Hamannick back last night. That'll stabilize that defense. I think my one question mark here uh, is uh, still remains the goaltending. Mike Smith uh, picked up a little bit of a knock last night. Uh, and so Eddie Lack will be the, could be the guy going forward, depending on how long uh, Smith might be sidelined. AJ, I'm, I'm anxious to talk about Carolina for a minute here because this is one team that I kind of pan every, every each of the last couple of seasons. There's not been much to talk about here, but they've got a number of youthful players that have really started to find their way. It's a fun team to watch because they skate among the best skating teams in the, in the NHL and uh, a lot of fun to, to look at this team and the development of some of their young guys. The defense, to me, is, is the heart and soul of this team. A uh, little bit underperforming there. Uh, in terms of individual highlights, Brock McGinn stood out uh, scoring four goals in three games last week here again the scoring is concentrated with only two other guys tallying more than three to date i'd like to see more balance and more offense from the top six there on defense though uh, noah hannafin is coming off his best week of the year with three assists and a plus four over four games through his first 11 starts going into last night at uh, last night's game in dallas scott darling and net has delivered in his first tour as a starting goalie with just under 2.5 goals against per game that's pretty good numbers from him uh not counting last night's game, of course. And uh, so there's there's more good news than usual to talk about in Carolina, and that's a welcome change. Yeah, I think what's also encouraging is, you know, you take an immediate look at the Metropolitan Division, you're going to see this team in seventh place. But that's with 18 points, and you look at New Jersey's at the top with 24. Uh, you know, we talked about this division being really competitive, and it's showing. I mean, from top to bottom, you're looking a difference of six points. That's really close for them. I think there's a lot that can be uh, accomplished there. I think this club is seemingly trending in the right direction. Uh, I can't imagine that once we get past the trade deadline, Cam Ward's still going to be on this team. I think they'll figure out what they need and trade him away. Uh, he's performed admirably uh, with the exception of that five goal stinker against uh, Colorado. And so I think he'll garner, you know, some attention, especially if there's a team that really needs to shore up the backup situation or even loses a starter. I mean, you have to wonder if uh, Vegas might be interested if they're still dealing with goaltender woes, uh, you know, late in the season. And then just a quick tip of the cap to uh, Tuvo Teravainen. 
uh, got the hat trick last night, plus another assist for a four-point outing. Uh, that's a tremendous night for him, and I'm sure one that uh, he won't forget getting that first career hat trick. Exactly. That's always a career highlight if you're lucky enough to pull that off. Tell your grandkids. Uh, in Chicago, the Hawks are a confusing lot this year. Uh, in the height of their successful seasons over the last 10 years, Corey Crawford was often thought of as a weak spot. In fact, the goaltending was always maligned here. Uh, thought was the rest of the team really carried the, t- the the club's fortunes but so far this year he's been their best performer with a 186 goals against average before the devils let him up on sunday so now we can't highlight any one veteran up up front who's overachieved in fact uh it's rookie alex debrinkat who's showing off his scoring skills of late with seven points in seven games it's he's one guy that i thought would be an interesting fit here and so far so good for the youngster well, for as well as DeBrincat's fitting in, Patrick Sharp is not. No. Uh, no points in 12 games. He's in a fourth-line role, if you can believe it. Uh, so clearly something is not clicking. You almost have to wonder if he's dealing with some sort of uh, minor nagging injury or, or something like that because this it seems like a complete lack of confidence otherwise, uh, which is not something you would have expect out of a veteran like Sharp. And you look at guys like Patrick Kane, uh, still – chipping away still doing decently but it's not exactly the blow away season you know 17 points in 18 games is all well and good but it's only six goals and for a guy that has been a prominent goal scorer you'd like to see a little bit more Uh, i'm not sure that uh you know 90 points is in the offing like we might have expected at the start of the season over in Colorado, we thought this team would be a bottom feeder in the NHL, but they've got a winning record 16 games in, AJ. Uh, they joined the Senators for a pair of games in Sweden last week. Both losses for Colorado, though one was an OT affair, so at least they picked up a point, I guess, for their troubles on the trip. With the departure of Matt Duchesne, the, A's have, the Avs have committed long-term to using Alex Kerfoot in a second-line role, and a lot of power play time is coming his way, too. That's quite an opportunity for a fifth-round pick in the 2012 draft who's enjoying a solid rookie NHL campaign with 13 points in 16 games to date. There wouldn't be anybody out there that can say they predicted this from him, so that's good news and a nice surprise contribution. The team's goals against has become the expected problem, problem after a strong start, though, and that might be a portent of some uh, some... Uh, regression toward what was expected of this club uh, before the season yeah and watching their games I don't really think even though he's given up a decent amount of goals you know I don't think a lot of the blame can fall on Varlamov I think he needs better defensive support I mean he's given up uh, a lot a lot of goals lately Uh, 25 goals in the last six games including a seven goal outing against the Golden Knights Uh, but I really don't if you watch the game Uh, In my opinion, it's not so much, you know, bad positioning on his part or or leaky goals. I think it's a a questionable defense. And I think that's why they brought in a guy like Sam Garrard to try and shore that up a little bit. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about trade options. Uh, I have to wonder if a guy like Nikita Zadorov is going to get shipped out. Uh, He's just not playing as much. And when he is in the lineup, his ice time is less than 17 minutes per game, which is so incredibly low for a defenseman. Uh, you have to wonder if they're going to try and maybe ship him somewhere else. And, and I think it'd be good for both sides that he could get a fresh start. Yeah, your point on minutes for defensemen is well, ta- well taken, AJ. You've got to look for guys that are up there around at least 20 minutes a game to put them into your fantasy rosters. If you're looking at season-long play, uh, you've got to have those guys on the ice and working a lot because typically there's not too many uh, position slots in those rosters on season-long. So you want to have the, the horses. 
Over in Columbus, I was surprised to note that such a deep team could slump to only six goals scored in their last four games as well. One area of weakness is in the face-off circle, though, where this team ranks 29th in the in league in terms of face-off win percentage. It's possession that's such a big part of today's game, and they really don't have much of it right now. And part of the problem is they, uh, they are very weak at center. They gave up Ryan Johansson in the Seth Jones trade. Certainly looked good, looks good in acquiring a signature defenseman there, but they've really struggled to find a number one, true number one center since. In fact, Nick Foligno, uh, a career winger, has been switched over from the wing to help that situation, but it's still a problem long term, I think. Uh, so is their 31st-ranked power play, which is hitting on a ridiculously low 9.6%. That's 3% below anybody else in the league, AJ. So by far the worst uh, power play unit. Again, special teams, such a key part of today's NHL. If they get that straightened ar- around, a strong team will become even more formidable. And it's something in terms of power play efficiency that we'll focus on in playoff previews later in the season when that time comes. So it's interesting to take a peek early on and see that such a strong team in terms of the quality that they can offer is so poor on the special teams well and they're having the opposite problem of the sabers you know we talked about blue line scoring and i talked last week about finding balance two of their top five point producers are seth jones and zach rewinski and so to your point about you know not having a true center losing face-offs i mean when you're losing face-offs at, at a pretty good clip you can't get your offense started in the offensive zone it also causes problems in the defensive zone so that your line is too tired to attack by the time they break out of the zone and have to change it up and so i think uh to your point that is probably what's uh contributing to the fact that uh, you know they have blue liners in their top five of scoring and they really need to get more production uh from those those top end guys i do the one guy i do think uh could really stand to contribute some more is uh pierre luc dubois three points in his last six games which is decent but that came after a, a really extended uh 11 game pointless streak I think he's got the talent. Now he's 19 years old, so I'm not putting the pressure of turning this team around on him at all. Um, but I do think he he should be capable of producing at a, a better rate than he is. You know, Alexander Wenberg uh, picking up an injury certainly doesn't help uh, for their game uh, tonight against Montreal. Uh, he's not expected to travel with the team, and so that just stretches that already thin uh, center uh, depth. And in Dallas, you know, the margin of victory or defeat in the past four games has been at least three goals. They're not playing a lot of close games, but it's typical of this team's recent past. They're they're wildly inconsistent, AJ. When the offense is humming, they can be a tough nut for anybody, but when they don't score, they don't have the defensive acumen to, to keep in too many games. So I'm not surprised by the fact that we see big wins or big losses from this club. It's just more of the same that we've seen for the last couple of years. John Klingberg leaks all defensemen with 18 points in the NHL, and he leads the entire Stars lineup as well, which is something of a surprise when you consider Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan have uh, been at the top of the NHL scoring leadership uh, consistently over the last few years. Antoine Roussel, to me, has been a consistent source of secondary scoring in his entire time with Dallas, but only one goal and two assists in the club's 16 games. He's coming up way short rivaling Jason Spezza, whom we highlighted as an even bigger disappointment last week. So they're not getting the secondary scoring bump behind the big line. If these guys don't rediscover this form, this team will be a non-factor again, in my opinion. 
Absolutely. And you want to talk about inconsistency. Look no further than Ben Bishop, who's got just one win in his last four outings. Oh, by the way, that win was a shutout performance. But then last night he goes and gives up five goals. He gave up four to Winnipeg uh, during that stretch as well. And so he has really uh, not been the consistent netminder that I think we both uh, expected him to be and has been in his days in Tampa. Uh, I definitely am questioning whether, you know, I certainly think 40 wins is is no longer on the table. He did that back in 2014-15. I'm starting to question whether 30 wins even is even possible, uh, given his inconsistent play. And so I think it, that's going to be the key is figuring out what to do with him. Uh, to your point last week, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but going to Kerry Lettinen might not be the worst idea uh, to give him a little an extra look just to shake something up you know a lot of times there's there's little things that coaching uh, coaches can do to kind of shake up the team wake guys up Uh, and one obvious uh, loss is not having Mark Mathot on that blue line Uh, I certainly uh, question you know have questioned his uh, his abilities the last couple of weeks uh, highlighting some deficiencies that I see there but without him, it's, it stretches that depth, and, and I think it gets uh, even worse for them, and it's going to make the goaltending job even harder. Uh, in Detroit, it's a much more positive story. Martin Furk is second in the club in goal scoring with six goals and nine points, but is only getting about 12 minutes a game. I, I'd like to see him get uh, more playing time based on that production. He's only owned in 12% of leagues. I, I wonder if he, he should merit more playing time, and that should spike his ownership as well. He's not hurting this club when he's on the ice. In the past week, he has three goals and one assist with two of those goals on the power play, in, in, in fact. So I say keep an eye on him. On defense, we await the season debut of Danny DeKaiser. He's on a big ticket with these guys in in Detroit for a while, AJ. And so they're hoping that he can come back and further bolster the team. He's one of those 20-minute guys I spoke of a few minutes ago who should also get some power play time. So Detroit's story is a positive one. And with the addition of a defenseman who could help, it might even get better. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for our friends in the home office and the outlook on the Red Wings. Better than I thought they would be. Well, and good news, too. They're going to have Justin Abelkader back tomorrow. Uh, he missed uh, one game uh, with that face injury. And he, but prior to getting hurt, four assists uh, in his previous five games, 10 shots on goal, throwing in some hits, too, with nine. Uh, and so he's finding ways to contribute and, and you know play uh, a role with the team. And so I think uh, getting him back is obviously a, a good good deal uh i would like to see dylan larkin putting more pucks in the back of the net he's got just two goals but he also has 13 assists so he's finding ways to at least contribute uh his numbers his minutes have actually really skyrocketed lately uh over 20 minutes of ice time in the last two games and so they're using him more and more and uh, I, i expect bigger and better things to continue for the 21 year old in Edmonton, former high uh, first-round draft pick a couple of years ago, Jesse Pugliarvi, made his season debut last week, averaging over 15 minutes a game and pouring six shots on goal and even scoring once. He's getting a second line shot with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Milan Lucic. That's a pretty nice landing spot for any youngster in the NHL. Good playmaking center and a physical guy who'll give you some space. So I highly recommend this pickup because this guy's all got a big bag of tricks in the toolbox uh, on defense Andre Sakara has begun skating and as part of his long, long road back looking forward to making his season debut in the next week or two if you can grab him he's a proven scoring blue liner and would be a welcome add in Edmonton as well to maybe boost uh, 
uh, special teams that could could use a little bit of help at the back end. If you've been waiting on Ryan Nugent Hopkins to show something, he has six points in his last seven games. I guess uh, you can look forward to big things if he continues to light it up with Pugliarvi as well. Dreisaitl, for his part, has been moving onto the highlight reel since joining, joining McDavid on the top line. That's uh, putting all your eggs in one basket up front, AJ. Absolutely, although I do like... Uh, what they're doing with that second line. Now, you talked about Pujarvi and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I'll throw in uh, Milan Lucic performing uh, as well with two goals, three assists in his last six games, uh, eight shots on goal, 15 hits. And so he's, uh, you know, averaging some power play time in there as well. And so I think, uh, you know, that whole second line is starting to click, uh, which I think is going to help them long term. This team struggled a lot out of the gate. And I think it was because they were too heavy with uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl and trying to figure out whether they play those guys together, separate, who else might step up. And so it's finally, I think, starting to settle in, especially on that second line. Uh, I would hope that they would keep that the same when they get get, uh, Drake Kajulia back or even Anton Slepeshev eventually should be back in the lineup. I would hope that they keep that second line together with how well they seem to be clicking. AJ, over in Florida, we're looking for one of their goalies to step up and kind of distance himself from his partner. Uh, Roberto Luongo allowed only three goals in his two starts last week. With a lot of teams having goalie issues around the league, I'm sure that's impacting a lot of fantasy owners in season-long play. So you might have to look at a situation that we initially thought would be a 50-50 deal and hope that one of these two guys emerges. And right now, I'm giving the inside track to Luongo here. I'm expecting his ownership to rise from the mid-50s if he goes on a bit of a nice run here. On defense, Yandel and Ekblad... This is interesting, their numbers. Uh, they they point to plus 9 and point plus 7, respectively, which is better than they did last year by miles, but their offensive stats are pointing at a 40-point ceiling, and I was hoping for more than that from each of these guys. So some good and some bad on the top defense uh, hopefuls there. They On the positive side, too, they have four forwards humming along at a point-per-game pace. That was unexpected and uh, a welcome addition to uh, the Florida mix. If they can get that kind of scoring, they're, they're going to be a factor in the playoff race this year. Well, and I'll throw in one other uh, little tidbit as they do try and figure out that goaltending situation. They did waive uh, Antti Ranta, or I'm sorry, Antti Niemi uh, yesterday. And so he will either go down to the minors or maybe another club picks him up. Although why somebody would want to do that, I'm not really sure. (laughs) Um, But I I do agree with you, Paul. I do think the bulk of the starts are going to go to Luangu uh, moving forward. I expect, you know, Reimer will probably get more uh, starts than, you know, your uh, Brossois, your Grubauers, uh, your Tristan Jaris in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I think he'll probably see maybe 25, even creeping up to 30 uh, starts. But I think the bulk of them are going to go to Roberto Luongo. Uh, Jonathan Huberto expected to play tonight despite being under the weather. Uh, Derek McKenzie will not uh, be in the lineup. So some good, some bad on the injury front as well. Jared McCann is still going to be out, and he's on IR as well. Uh, With retroactive tag, they can probably get him back sooner rather than later. Um, but there are definitely some some injury notes uh, to you know pay attention to if you're going to use uh, the Panthers in in your daily or season long formats. 
AJ, the Kings are atop the Pacific Division. We didn't really forecast that, I don't think, at the beginning of the season. I thought Edmonton would run away with this loop, but uh, the Los Angeles Kings, I'm starting to have to believe in uh, the Dustin Brown situation. Uh, He's having his best season in years, but uh, he's on the first line and producing steadily. The shots on goal are consistent, so I'm starting to think maybe I should buy in on this uh, this guy if he's available in a couple of leagues that I belong to. We spoke of Adrian Kempe contributing significantly, and that continues as well, so uh, an oldster and a youngster helping out in the offense there better better offensive totals all all around than they've had in the last few seasons and that's without jeff carter as well on the blue line uh, jake muzzin isn't paired with dowdy yet is keeping pace with uh, his more notorious uh, teammate in terms of scoring that helps too a little bit of balance on the blue line the team penalty killing listen to this only five goals against on the season again we highlight special teams as a real key factor in some teams uh, outlooks the kings right now have really buttoned it down when they get the into the shorthanded situation it's another positive reflection on the best penalty killer that they have and that's of course only jonathan quick who's been amazing in his comeback so far this season well, yeah, and you talk about that goals against average. Even, you know, if you take into account uh, even strength, their uh, second fewest goals allowed in the league at 2.41. Uh, and so to your point, Paul, everything seems to be clicking uh, between the defenseman uh, and the netminder. And you talked about some veteran guys chipping in. Anse Kopitar is on an eight-game uh, point streak. He's got two goals and eight assists uh, during that streak. Uh, his plus minus kind of surprisingly is still a minus four, but I think some of that has to do with the five assists coming on the power play. Um, but as long as that's not a category for you, especially in daily contests, Kopitar might be worth a look there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that does seem to be working that I don't think we really predicted uh, at the start of the season. Alex Iafalo has performed decently as well in that top line role. Uh, certainly not blowing the doors off, but uh, doing just enough for this team to, as you said, Paul, be on top of the standings in, in this division. Over to Minnesota we go next. AJ, Jason Zucker had himself a week for the ages. We'll get into him more a little bit later, but six goals on the week topped uh, everybody in the NHL. Um, in goal, my concerns over Devin Dubnik have been removed uh, after a great week. The guy recorded a pair of shutouts, looking more like the, the goalie who has emerged as one of the top five to ten in the entire league over the last few seasons Uh, so he's looking like a high-end goalie again the wild have to be a little concerned with the lingering slump of second year pro joel erickson eck though scoreless scoreless in his last eight games they expect more from a guy the development is going in the opposite direction than expected he's a former first round pick in 2015 and not delivering the goods right now I also said to bail on Chris Stewart last week. He's, his now pointless streak is extended to 10 games. I'm not really sure what he, he's doing in the top six role anymore, AJ. Maybe you can help me out understanding that. Well, I, I think they're not going to use him in a top six role. I, I think we have him projected all the way down on the fourth line uh, to shake things up there. And his minutes have shown it. Uh, last two games, it was 8.51 and 10.43 in terms of ice time. So uh, definitely has gotten bounced from that role uh two guys that are contributing and and i like uh what they're doing especially for daily player ryan Suter and jared spurgeon this top pairing uh isn't always putting goals or assists on the board but they're blocking a lot of shots getting shots on goal of their own and the ice time here is tremendous i mean ryan Suter is up over 26 minutes per game that includes uh plus three minutes on both the power play and the penalty kill and Spurgeon's over 25, again, contributing on the power play and the penalty kill. Uh, so these guys, 
the nice part, especially for daily, but season long as well, you know they're going to be on the ice in all situations, uh, and they're going to tally some uh, you know fantasy value. Again, it might not always come in goals or assists, but you look, for example, Spurgeon has five block shots in each of his last two games, uh, and especially over on FanDuel, that has value. And so these are two guys that certainly you're not going to want to overlook. And in Montreal, uh, Charlie Lindgren, this guy is continuing to be the toast of the town with the way he started out. But there are large concerns about Carey Price, who landed on the IR last week, AJ, with a lingering groin injury. He is skating, but uh, the return time is still uncertain and unknown. And uh, the club, in addition to that, still needs to sort out their five-on-five play with nobody sporting more than a plus-one in terms of plus-minus year-to-date. That's kind of shocking for a team that was first in this division last year. Shea Weber, for his part, was on the DL. That didn't help matters. He was sporting a lower body injury, but he came back in the lineup, and they didn't take it easy on him. They went 28 minutes with him in his return last Saturday. So uh, when he's healthy, he's going to get a lot of ice time, and uh, they're going to use him, lean on him a heck of a lot. Uh, struggling wingers, uh, they have plenty of them here, are Turi Lekkonen and Alex Galchenyuk. Both these guys have really struggled in their last six games. Now they're getting a chance to play with Jonathan Drouin and a chance to get, light them up and get them both on track. They're, that's putting a lot of tra- pressure on a guy who's already got a lot of pressure on him to be the signature French-Canadian player here. I'm, uh, I'm thinking that's, that's going to be a troubling, troubling situation if they don't uh, start lighting it up on that unit. Yeah, I really don't uh, understand that that pairing there. You got Druin, who seemed to be more comfortable uh, and start settling in when they moved him down the second line, uh, playing with a, a couple different guys. And so I, I don't love, uh, as you said, putting all that added pressure on him there. Now, this team, in addition to Carey Price, is really banged up. Uh, David Schlemko still on IR. Alice Hemsky's out. Uh, and then Al Montoya dealing with the injury as well. Now, I will say a, a bit of a silver lining, in my opinion, is the Al Montoya injury because I think it lets them see what they have in Charlie Lindgren. Uh, Montoya is not going to be your eventual replacement uh, for a guy like Carey Price. Now, not that they're looking to get rid of Carey Price anytime soon. He's only 30 years old. But Lindgren's a young guy. He's 23. Uh, they're, we've seen more and more young uh goalies get a shot but historically speaking they tend to be a little bit older by the time they get a shot closer to 25 26 uh and so to kind of get him some some ice time and some uh in action games i think is really helpful and you know you talked about being the toast of town his one loss came in a 32 save performance in which he gave up just two goals that one's not being blamed uh blame on that not on him that's definitely on the offense there. If a guy, especially a backup guy, uh, only gives up two goals, you have to hope that the rest of the team can get you the win. In Nashville, AJ already referenced Ryan Johansson, uh, and I spoke glowingly about this guy in our preseason preview, but he's goalless and has only eight assists and only 21 shots through 16 games played. That's way below what you want from a number one center. You need more production from a guy who's expected to be the number one pivot, in fact. To me, there ought to be concern about this recovery from a bad leg injury he suffered in last year's playoffs. Not much talk about that. Kevin Fiala is another top six forward who is goalless so far this season. So that's two big holes among their top uh, six forwards. Not many teams can survive with a pair of forwards who aren't scoring at all, but Nashville's doing okay. Well, it looks like they're trending in the right direction to get Nick Bonino back. He took line rushes at practice yesterday, uh, which is a good indicator that he might be ready to go. 
uh, sooner rather than later. And so that's going to give them quite the, the stretch down the center with Ryan Johansson, uh, even an underproducing Ryan Johansson, uh, Kyle Terrace, and then Nick Benino as their top three centers. That's a dangerous combination there. Uh, defensively, they did pick up injuries to Yannick Weber. Uh, that is going to hurt a little bit, but ultimately I, I think they'll weather that storm just fine as they always have. Uh, this team is stacked on defense. Obviously Ryan Ellis is still out. Uh, he's not expected to be back until January, but, uh, when they do get him back, this team will once again, uh, just be completely stacked. As I said, on that blue line and should, uh, continue clicking on all cylinders. Uh, I think their, their, uh, demise that some people saw a few weeks ago when they were struggling is definitely been overshadowed four wins in a row now starting to get back to being the team we thought they could be yeah and uh, I spoke of Carolina in a similar way I want to talk about New Jersey this is another team that year after year I kind of pan nothing exciting to talk about but this year there's lots of excitement in fact I compare this team to what the Leafs did last year trusting a number of rookies and young players to take a lot of ice time and uh, give them a chance to produce and they have so far we've talked about a number of them this year uh, one guy so far who's been overshadowed by some of these youngsters is miles wood he had a four-point game on sunday against chicago and he's suddenly tied for second in the club and goal scored what i like more than that is that he's averaging more than two shots per on goal every night which is second on the team too so when you start to see a guy getting his shot total up uh, that tells me he's involved and, and engaged in the offense and maybe the numbers are sustainable. That's not a guy that we would have highlighted in any preseason uh, pre- previews that I've done. And uh, the Devils are among the top scoring teams in, in the league with a 3.5 goals uh, per goal scored per game. That's also something that we didn't forecast. They're getting all kinds of numbers offensively. Well, and to your point, there were a lot of youngsters that are chipping in, uh, but there's some veterans helping out as well. Taylor Hall continues to lead the team in points with six goals and 13 assists. Brian Gibbons has eight goals. That's the team lead. Another three assists there for 11. And even you look at a guy like Drew Stafford, who uh, has been much maligned for, for the last several years of his career. He's got five goals, three assists, uh, a minus eight rating, unfortunately. Uh, so that is obviously a concern, but uh, you know, he's producing uh, decently well. Uh, and so they are getting a good combination of youthful contributions and experienced uh, production. And so everything seems to be clicking along well for this club. And in Long Island, the story, the backstory is still the John Tavares situation. But uh, in addition to that, Josh Hosang must be driving the Isles management team nuts. This is another top traffic who can't seem to find his lane in the NHL. He was called up after a sint in the minors recently and scored in his first goal of the year in his first game back, though. Uh, This guy's a local product from where I reside, north of Toronto, AJ, as you know. And there's been much concern over his personal conduct for a number of years. He's got to get that kind of stuff out of his system and, and behind him before he can certainly take flight here. I don't think there's any, been, been any reports in that regard in, in, on the island, so he's got cleaned up a little bit his act. He has all kinds of talent. I just can't rec- recommend using this kid in season long or DFS play until he really finds a consistently high level of play that a lot of people forecast from him. So for me, Josh Hosang is a sit and wait, and uh, don't bother spending any money or any resources to claim him just yet until he shows us something, and he needs to do that soon for his own sake. 
Well, and some bad news on the injury front as well for this club. Uh, Nikolai Kuhlman is going to be out for six months after undergoing surgery. Uh, And so that puts him back maybe in May, uh, mid-May. And so they could, if they're in playoff contention, maybe get him back. Uh, And obviously, you know, he's a 20-point player the last couple of years. He's not uh, he's not quite the 57 point uh, producer, 30 goal scorer that you saw when he was with the Maple Leafs in 2010. Uh, But it hurts the depth, obviously. And so you've got guys uh, that are going to need to step up, including the 38 year old Jason Chimera, Elaine Quinn, uh, who was recently brought up uh, from the minors uh, after a a conditioning assignment. And so there's some guys that are going to have to step up in that absence. Uh, and that's that's going to be a real big hole that I think they're going to struggle to fill. In New York, this is the only team. The Rangers are the only team that has no injuries to report. I'm open, open, not, not putting the whammy on them uh, with that comment, AJ. <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist, for his part in goal, is on a six-game winning streak during which he's allowed 16 goals against for an average just over 2.5 when you factor in a pair of overtime wins in that span. That's his best stretch uh, early so far in this season so there were some concerns about King Henrik but I think he's got his game in order right now and that certainly goes a long way toward uh, defining any kind of success for the Rangers uh, filling in at the second center position has been a, a sore point here Kevin Hayes is currently in that role but seven points to- because of seven point totals in 18 games that just isn't enough they really need to get more scoring out of their uh, the middle of the ice there and it's just not happening right now and in addition there are some scoring concerns on the blue line when you consider that after Shattenkirk and McDonough the the two linchpins offensively the rest of this cast has combined for only 13 scoring points in 18 games that's a very low total one of the lowest in the entire league so there are some warts on this team despite the fact that they're healthy right now well and I think they have a solution uh to their problems in in center they just refuse to use it and that's JT Miller uh I don't think having him as a third line winger makes sense when you have uh, such you know lack of depth down the middle why not put him in the in the top six role in that on that second line uh, in the center role with Zuccarello and Nash I think that's a better fit for him and so I think they're causing their own problems to be perfectly honest with you um, their their power play is uh, you know uh, firing on all cylinders as well they've got 20 uh, 25.8% power play right now and the PK is not bad either at 81.3 uh, and so this team seems to be uh, handling the special teams well. And I think that's going a long way to kind of stabilizing what was really a very rough start to the season for this team. I mean, it looked like at one point that the, they were going to be the one club left behind in the Metropolitan uh, for a while there. But uh, eight and two in their last 10, as you mentioned, a six game win streak. Now, I will caution that uh, a lot of those wins have come at home. They're just two and three on the road. And so if once their schedule flips a little bit, they play in a lot of home games right now. Uh, once that flips, they could go back to struggling if they can't figure out the, the the visitor locker rooms, as it were. That's a great point, AJ, and that's something that we should encourage our listeners to take a look at in terms of the weekly lineup setups. You got to look at the teams that are going to be playing on the road a lot, and they're going to be up against it more the team than teams that uh, play at home. That's just a fact of life in all sports. The home teams do win a larger percent of their uh, percentage of their games. So, great point by you there. Over in Ottawa, we see the benefit of uh, playmaking centers. Whether you have uh, Matt Duchesne or Kyle Touris in the mix, 
in addition to Derek Broussard, they've had two playmaking centers in the Ottawa situation. And you look at the scoring from the wingers as a result, and you see a guy like a Mark Stone having a career year with 12 goals and seven assists. I was on this guy in a big way in preseason, so he's lighting it up for my teams across the board. I think I've got him in every team that I that I've drafted this year and uh, paying big dividends for me. But right behind him, Mike Hoffman at a point-per-game pace as well. So the benefit of playmaking centers under, underlined very, very well over there. Of course, they had the great start, uh, and Craig Anderson was off and running, but now he's regressed a little bit in the last little while, and his goals against creeping up a little bit. A bit of a concern, something to watch. The team goals against is right there at three per game. You want it a little bit lower than that. So uh, some cracks are beginning to show, despite the fact that this team is five games over 500 as we speak today. Well, unfortunately for Craig Anderson, the the night he was supposed to get off, he gets called into action. Uh, now he faced just eight shots and and came away with the win against Colorado. Uh, in the second game of that back-to-back. But Condon got shelled for three goals on just 10 shots uh, and not what you want from your backup. In fact, Condon hasn't come away with a win uh, since October 14th uh, when he had a 35-save outing against the, at the time, struggling Edmonton Oilers. And so since then, it's it's been all uh, overtime losses or basically no decisions and so that's not going to help Anderson, uh, you know, kind of find his form having to go every single night. Now we know what a workhorse netminder he can be. He's shown it in the past and he's certainly capable of it. Uh, they're going to get some help off the injured uh, injury report as Bobby Ryan's ready to go as well as Mark Burrow wiki. Uh, I do find it interesting that despite some of the younger talents that they have, uh, some new guys uh, coming back from IR, they're still going to continue, it looks like, to suit up that seventh defenseman rather than uh, fielding a full fourth line. Uh, it's an interesting decision. It seems to be working uh, fine for them. And so if it's not broke, I guess don't fix it. Uh, but I do find it interesting how heavily they've been relying on their blue lines to, to spend a little time uh, in the offensive zone. When we talk about the Philadelphia Flyers, AJ, I didn't think Valtteri Filippo was going to thrive in the second center role, and I'm being proven right a little bit. If you look at the last 11 games, only two goals and two helpers from this guy. He's been moved off that uh, position, though, and Jordan Wheel, who's only produced six points in 15 games, is getting the next look in that slot. Like you said about a team earlier on, I think they have the solution right here on their roster. They just don't want to put Claude Giroux back at center. He's been playing wing since the beginning of the season on the top line. It's worked out for him on that top line, but certainly I think putting him back at the middle fortifies the center position and really sorts out the top six a little bit better, in my opinion. In goal, Brian Elliott's been pretty solid of late. We won't say that too many times this year, I don't think, AJ. He's allowed two goals or less in six of his last eight starts a real hot streak for a guy who's been much maligned in a lot of quarters including uh, this particular podcast yeah and i don't think it's surprising that if you look at their last 10 uh games they're just four four and two and nolan patrick's been missing for eight of those i i don't find that to be a coincidence uh that seems to be more of a cause and effect to me and I think uh, they're expected to, to get him back, hopefully on Thursday. Uh, he's a, a Winnipeg native, and so they're hoping to have him able to go when the team travels to Winnipeg. They won't have him tonight uh, in, uh, in that contest with Mon- uh, Minnesota. And so that is really uh, part of the biggest problem that they're having. And to your point, why not move Giroux to center until Patrick's ready to go and then put Giroux back on the wing? I think that's a great call by you, Paul, and really would help this team a a lot uh, until he's ready to go. But at this point, 
it's been long enough. Might as well stick with it and just ride it out until Thursday. Well, and when we come to your favorite club, I defer to you a lot. Uh, but, AJ, I'm going to ask you some qu- pointed questions here. Jake Gunsel has tailed off uh, a- after a- an interesting start, positive start, and only recently has been put back with Sidney Crosby. He's only got three points in his last eight games. And on the other flank, Ryan, Brian Rust went pointless in nine before earning points in his last two games. He's back on Crosby's line as well. Uh, I'm wondering if either one is worth the ad, in your opinion, at this point. Sid is a minus 14. That's alarming. And, and I wonder uh, if anybody's concerned about that. I think they should be. Uh, let's get AJ to comment on each of these and more notes from the Penguins. Yeah, so I'll start with Gunsel. Um, they're clearly doing everything they can to get him going. Uh, in, the, in his last four games, in which he does have uh, three of those points that you highlighted, two goals and one assist, he, in three of those outings, he's logged over three minutes per game of power play ice time. In fact, uh, in their most recent matchup with Nashville, he saw nearly 21 minutes of ice time. So they're really doing everything they can to get him clicking. Uh, Brian Rust, I'm not sure if I jump in on him at this point. He does have two points in in his last two games. Uh, Obviously, the Sidney Crosby effect uh, working well for him. Uh, But I don't think he's a permanent fixture there. I think they're trying to figure out what works best uh, and how to fit everything together. I think Gensel of the two is more likely to stick on that line. Uh, As far as Crosby's plus minus goes, it's not something that overly concerns me. Uh, I think it's actually more indicative of the fact that the team in general has struggled a little bit in five on five scoring uh, and has been excelling in in the power play uh, arena. And so, you know, those power play goals don't count towards your plus minus. And so when most of the your production and, you know, points is coming in that in that sense, uh, you're going to end up with a lopsided plus minus. And so it's not a huge concern. You know, part of it comes from, you know, he had minus four in that 10 one uh, shelling at the hands of Chicago earlier in the season. And so that obviously sets you back pretty far. Uh, I'm obviously not thrilled that he's on 11 game goal streak, uh, but it seems like the guys around him are finding ways to contribute. Uh, as I mentioned, Gensel and Russ have kind of started clicking recently. Uh, the one other point I'll throw out there is Carl Hagelin's going to get a look on that second line. Uh, and while he's not uh, been a huge producer, especially this season, just two points, or even going back to last year, uh, you know, he got benched a couple times. Uh, but as, if he's on that line, I think it's a great week uh, to use him for season long and a great day to potentially use him for DFS as well. In San Jose, other than Logan Couture, no one has scored more than five goals, AJ. Thornton and Pavelski are well off their projections as well, From and from there it gets worse. They, that said, this team is still outscoring their opponents by seven goals again, so you've got to think they're really doing something to right defensively. If you like low-scoring games, this is the team for you. However, Couture aside, you can put a big X through the rest of this lineup for me. Even Brett Burns has no goals and seven assists in 16 games played. That just continues a long stretch of... Uh, play even in the second half of last year where the scoring was way down for one of the signature defensemen in the NHL. Well, apparently San Jose is the new uh, New Jersey Devils and the (laughs) Devils are the new Sharks. I mean, it seems like these clubs have switched personalities. Um, You know, the Sharks are using pretty much that formula that worked for the Devils for for a long time. They've got great goaltending in Martin Jones. Uh, They're limiting opportunities in the offensive zone and getting just enough goals to get by. Um, Obviously, the loss of Patrick Marlowe has affected this offense, I think, even more 
than either of us would have expected uh, as great of a player as he is and as well as he's doing for your Maple Leafs. I don't think we really expected the Sharks to drop off that much. Um, but again, to what I said earlier, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's working for them now. And uh, I agree to your point, uh, mostly going to avoid a lot of these guys because they're just not scoring with the exception probably of Martin Jones because what you want most uh, is the wins, even though you know he's not getting as many shots on goal because his team's uh, blocking a lot of shots for him. Um, but I still I like, you know, the value of getting the wins there. So Martin Jones is probably one of the few players uh, other than Couture, who you highlighted that I would use on this team right now in St. Louis. I'm hard pressed to find a better offseason ad than Braden Shen. I've been on him in a big way since the beginning of the season. And he's rewarded me with 20 points and a plus 15 in 18 games played, along with Paul Stastny who was looking fine early on. He's gone uh, quiet, though, picking up only two points in his last eight games played. So uh, ordinarily, you'll think that the the top two center positions are looking okay. Stastny will get back in the groove, so I'm not concerned about that here. Another positive here, Joel Edmondson has three goals in his last seven games from the defense position, but that might be a high watermark. I'm encouraging people who who listen to this show regularly. This guy is a low-scoring blue liner. Don't be fooled by that spike. His shot rate, though, is almost two a game. So despite what I just said, I'm going to keep an eye on this guy to see if he's ready to make a career switch. Uh, Also, up front, Alex Steen's been a bit of a disappointment, big-time disappointment, actually, when you look at one goal and five assists in only 12 12 games played. Not been healthy, struggling with that over the last couple of years. And a guy whose profile merits uh, interest and attention, but certainly not rewarding anybody that bought into him so far. Well, and I'm, uh, I agree so far this season on your assessment of Braden Shen. Uh, the one concern I have is that they're going to use Bo Bennett on that second line with him. Uh, let me tell you, Blues fans, this is not the guy you want <laughs> in a top six role. Uh, he's basically made of glass. Uh, he'll probably get hurt at some point. And even when he is in the lineup, uh, he just has never lived up to, to the talent he showed Uh, earlier in his career before becoming a professional Um, so I don't love the fact that they're giving him a look in a top six role although to be fair I'm not sure they really have a ton of other options although I think I'd rather see Vladimir Sabotka on that second line with Shannon Schwartz or even you know flip it for uh, you know Tarasenko there and and you know let Stastny and Steen play with somebody else so um, I'm a little cool on Shen only because of who his line mate is going to be right now um, otherwise, uh, to your point, Paul, everything seems to be working out uh, just fine for him. But that is my one question mark uh, for him moving forward. Well, and there's only one question mark on Tampa, and that's the play of Tyler Johnson, a minus seven so far, one of only two players on the minus side. Uh, seventh D-man, uh, Suster, is minus four in the red. So I don't know what Johnson is doing to earn that low uh, low rating when the rest of his guys are all on the plus side. And speaking of plus side, Kuchera and Stamkos making a bid to finish 1-2 in league scoring. They had a eight-point bulge on the rest of the NHL right now. Yeah, I, the Tyler Johnson thing is very uh, interesting. You know, I pulled up his stats here, and he doesn't have, like, a, a bad, like, a really bad game. It's just been, uh, you know, a minus one every couple of nights and not really any pluses. Um, so it's, you know, it's not an ice time issue. It's not like he's only out there for, you know, five, six minutes a game and is always getting scored on. Uh, He's got 16 minutes of ice time. He's out there on power play, uh, penalty kill as well. So he's definitely getting utilized. Now, he doesn't have a lot of points, just eight points uh, in 18 games. But it is very interesting 
Uh, that's a great uh, pickup on on him. That that huge minus there. I'm going to continue to tout Vladimir Nemesikov every time that we do one of these shows. <laughs> He's got four goals in the last three games, threw an assist in there as well, and uh, his power play ice time is uh, really kind of astronomical 337 right now uh, so he's pretty much out there for as much of it as he possibly can be uh, an 18 minute average I mean that's uh, almost like a low uh, a low defenseman that kind of numbers and so yeah I, I think to your point Paul uh, you know Kucherov and Stamkos might be trying to finish one two but Nemesikov's no slouch as, as the third line mate here over in Toronto, no Austin Matthews in the lineup. That's been no problem for the Maple Leafs. They ran off four straight wins, uh, three without their biggest star. I understand he's skating again with the club today. Hopeful that he gets into the lineup for their next game on Thursday night against the New Jersey Devils. Instead, the offense was powered by Mitch Marner, who finally broke out after slumping since scoring the first uh, on the first night of the season. He was goalless until last week and really sparked the offense in a pair of wins against Boston, uh, playing with JVR and Marlow, uh, they also led the scoring uh, for for the Leafs uh, over the past week. Great to see Marlow continuing where he left off in San Jose. The adjustment period for him has been non-existent. He's been a factor for this club, and playing the middle of the ice been a real asset to bolster their top six. Meanwhile, Anderson may be getting into a groove just like he did last year at the same time in goal. Suddenly, more people are talking about Morgan Riley as well uh, off- offensively. I thought he would be among the top scoring D-men, and he's rewarding me right now. He's fourth in the NHL with 16 points. Uh, I got to give uh, Curtis any props in goal for playing a great game in- on Saturday in Boston. If he faltered, there are a couple of guys in the Marlies and their farm team that are are playing very well. So Garrett Sparks was hopeful of an opportunity, but uh, more, but McElhenney will push him back with that start. He played plays once every th- two weeks. Give you a game like gives you a game like that. That's incredible. Uh, like I said, Austin Matthews should be back in the lineup. It's going to be an interesting tilt on Thursday night. I can't wait for that one actually. Well, I'll I'll let you take the highlights here, but I will throw out. Uh, JVR having a, a tremendous uh, stretch lately as well. Four goals and one assist in four games. Uh, he uh, Two of those goals coming on the power play as well. Uh, and so he's really seeing uh, and uh, taking advantage, I guess I would say, of, of being able to play with Marlowe uh, and Zach Hyman on that second line. And so uh, everything seems to be uh, going just fine in Toronto with the exception obviously of Matthews being out but it doesn't seem to be holding him back can only imagine how much better this team's going to be once they do get him back in Vancouver speaking of a team that's been better than we thought the Canucks have continued to surprise with the club being more competitive than expected and we've highlighted the changing of the guard among the forward lines the Sedins have slipped back more than I expected though uh, they hope to get a boost with Louis Erickson rejoining them in an all Swedish second line he pumped five shots on goal uh, in his first uh, game back and hopefully that unit produces if they can uh, this team's going to even be even be a bit better on defense they also got a little bit more good news with alex edler returning as well this guy could be their best defenseman he has been for years it's been it's uh, expectation is that this team will will rise Uh, i can't believe i'm saying that a month into the season credit for all this (laughs) should go to rookie head coach travis green for instilling a system installing a system that tightened things up defensively uh very very well and the goaltending tandem uh, behind that is is uh, really something that we didn't expect to be among the better in the league but you got to give credit to markstrom in the, in the nets so holding the load there 
I actually think we're going to see some uh, Anders Nilsson here sooner rather than later. Uh, they've been going really heavy on Jacob Markstrom, they, including playing him in, in a back-to-back. Uh, and, you know, I actually, you know, I thought, uh, to your point, Paul, that, that he was doing really well. And his goals against is 2.57 in his last seven games, but only two wins in that stretch, four losses and an overtime loss. And so uh, that goals against average has actually been creeping up in the back half of this seven-game uh, consecutive start stretch. They don't have any backups coming up, so it's hard to pre- or back to backs coming up, so it's hard to predict when we might see Nilsson. Um, but I would guess we might see him in, in one of these next three games, just because they have been going so heavily on Markstrom. His numbers actually haven't been as pr- as impressive as I thought they might be. In Las Vegas, we've touted this team from the get-go. They're going to get a big boost with Marc-Andre Fleury getting close to a return, and that'll bring stability to a, a turnstile that's been in the goal crease with all the goalies that they've gone through. More starting, more fantasy owners are starting to believe in this team that's currently 10-5-1. and one. Yeah, that's, They're going to remain competitive for a long haul. You can see this by looking at the large number of players who are among the most added players in each of the last couple of weeks in terms of roster trends. Foremost among these names are David Perron with a team leading 14 points and William Carlson with 12. Uh, Perron has shown this ability to be a scorer consistently in his career, so that's not much of a surprise, but the, the Carlson turn is more of a surprise to me. I wonder if he can keep it up. I'm on Perron, I think, more, uh, more than Caron, uh, Carlson in this case. Well, I'm going to actually disagree and take the opposite. Uh, I'll let us get into that a little bit more when we pick our lineups here. Um, but I do, uh, I would favor actually Carlson over Perron. But again, we'll get into that a little bit more when we look at our lineups. Uh, you mentioned the goaltending situation. Flurry and Dansk aren't going to join the team for a two-game uh, road trip. They're also going to miss Luke, uh, Lucas Pisa on that trip as well. Malcolm Subban is going to travel with the team. So there is a chance that he could uh, play uh, probably not uh, tonight, but perhaps Thursday. And in the meantime, they'll continue to ride Max Legacy uh, and you know hope that he can uh, get them more wins and losses. That hasn't been his MO so, so far. He's just 2-4-1 and one, uh, with a 3.58 goals against average. So if they're going to continue to be kind of the top team that we thought they are, I think they really do need to get Malcolm Subban back uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And then obviously Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, whenever he is ready to go, is going to go back to being the number one netminder for this club. AJ, when we look at the Washington situation, I think that this team is weaker than it was in the past, but have to acknowledge Braden Holtby, who's seen almost 33 shots per game. That's about a five-shot increase over what he's been used to in recent seasons, and his play has really backed this squad to keep them in the mix uh, at the top of this division. His his play has ma- been masked by the, by the fact that clearly they don't have the lineup depth that they enjoyed in the past, and that's harmed them a little bit. You can see the impact of Holtby when you consider that his backup Philip Grubauer has struggled mightily behind the same team when he's played. And, he, you know, you couldn't see much of a difference between these two, these two guys last year when uh, Grubauer gave them some great work in the backup role. The search for secondary scoring got a boost since they added Chandler Stevenson to the mix. He's getting top six minutes. It's his third call-up over the last three years. He has five points in nine games and has replaced Jakob Vrana in that second-line role. So we'll have to keep an eye on Stevenson. He might be worth an add if he can continue to chip in at this rate. Yeah, I'm not buying on him yet. Uh, I, I do think he's going to come back down to earth uh, once teams start to figure him out. Uh, but for now, as long as he is uh, riding that uh, that high, might be worth it. But uh, 
But generally, uh, you know, for my team, I'm not going to go pick him up in my season-long league quite yet. Uh, I'll let others buy in early on them if they would like. Uh, as far as the rest of the team goes, you know, Alexander Ovechkin, uh, as expected, leading the team in goals with 13. Uh, you mentioned secondary scoring, and while it's starting to get better, it's still not totally there. I mean, Ovechkin has more goals than the next two players combined, and that's TJ Oshie and Jakob Vrana, who you just said got bumped. Uh, those two have 11 goals, Lars Eller with three. I mean, there's not even anybody else with double-digit goals at this point uh, other than Alexander Ovechkin. So uh, as you pointed out, uh, you know, we talked about this team being down. They're relying heavily on Ovechkin. Uh, as they always have, but they've always had a couple other pieces that could find the back of the net as well to kind of help him out. And he's really not getting any uh, assistance, in my opinion. And I think it could be a disappointing year for for the uh, you know perennial Presidents uh, Cup contenders. Yeah, they're not winning that trophy this year. In Winnipeg, the goalie situation got a bit interesting for me as Steve Mason finally got his first uh, win of the season, albeit against the lowly Coyotes last week. He will not get the shot at stringing some games together just yet. A concession that he's lost the starting job to Connor Hellybuck, who gets the start tonight in the return engagement in a rare scheduling twerk, uh, uh, quirk with the Coyotes again tonight. We've highlighted a number of solid contributors to the early season success here in the past. I've got to go the other side now and talk about a couple of downers. Jacob Truba was one guy that we forecast to have a big year. Only six points, all of them assists, despite pouring 38 shots on goal. That's something like bad luck to me. Uh, he should get, be getting more uh, points for that kind of productivity. Uh, Brian Little up front has produced very little, speaking of that. Uh, only six <laughs> points as well. I bail up both of these guys in season-long play. There's better options around the league, and I'm not going to uh, give these guys much more rope. They've hung themselves for me. Yeah, I don't disagree with your assessment there at all, Paul. Uh, the only thing with Little is he is still playing with Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Laine, and so that could help him. Uh, maybe get out of that slump at some point here. Uh, although, you know, for how little production he's had with how good those other two guys have been is a little surprising. Although Ehlers has kind of cooled off with no points in his last three games. Um, but I, to the goaltending situation that we've talked about, Connor Hellybuck, I think, is the clear number one moving forward. They've wanted it to be him for the longest time. And they've been hoping uh, that this day would eventually come. So now that he does seem to be performing well, uh, you know, a couple rough outings uh, of late. But I, I attribute that more to just getting tired. He did play uh, or start rather in uh, six consecutive games. So started to get a little tired. Still is young, just 24 years old. Uh, but I think long term, unless he really, really starts to drop off, they're going to give him a, a pretty long leash. And they're going to ride him as long as they can because they've been waiting for this for so long. Well, now that we've gone through the 31 teams, let's give a nod to our friends at FanDuel, reminding everybody that fantasy football is around for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week, and there's no busted seasons. Something for everyone. Lots of contests to choose from, starting from just a dollar even. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. AJ, in week 10 of the NHL, that was week one for the Cowboys without Ezekiel Elliott, and I didn't like what I saw. But missing their left tackle on offense, Tyrone Smith, was probably even a bigger issue. Dak Prescott was running for his life a lot on Sunday in Atlanta, and uh, that, that uh, left tackle spot's one that's underrated uh, by most observers, but uh, it's key in terms of quarterback protection. I got a grade A look at what it means to not have that in place. 
On the other side of the ball in that game, the Falcons lost star running back Devontae Freeman to an early game concussion. He was out last week. He'll be out again this week in all likelihood. And uh, he joins Julio Jones in terms of the hobbling uh, stars on that team. Jones stuck it out, though, again. Uh, but he's not producing at the elite level that most people forecast. My second favorite team, the Saints, are now 7-2 and two with a real balance on offense. They're not relying on Drew Brees to throw the ball for 300 yards in every game. In fact, it's more the running game that's been a, a source of success. And I have Mark Ingram on one of my teams. That's the Fantasy Sports Show League. And I'm in first place largely because of the impact of those two players. So I'm really hoping that they continue their run. Uh, Ingram is one of those guys who's a pass catching back as well as a run running back who can certainly grind it out on the ground. So you got to have at least one or two of those guys in the mix, I think, to win here consistently. In terms of the toilet bowl game, the Niners beat the Giants. <laughs> so the Browns are the only winless team in the, in the NFL. Your thoughts about the landscape in the NFL, AJ? Well, I wasn't able to watch that New Orleans game. And, and when I saw the, the final score, uh, much like I'm sure a lot of people, I assume Breeze probably threw for 305, you know, four or five touchdowns. Um, but that, as you said, wasn't the case and is a very different looking Saints team. Uh, I do find myself a little shocked to see the Jags at six and three uh, tied with the Titans for the division lead. Uh, we knew what Fournette could offer. Um, but I think the pieces around him are coming along better than expected. Uh, the the quarterback hasn't been quarterback play hasn't been uh, quite as bad as it has been in past seasons. Uh, you know, uh, another player that we were maybe questioning, or, and a lot of other people out there, DeAndre Hopkins. You thought maybe his targets might drop off uh, without, uh, you know, when they lost their quarterback there, but he's still. Uh, averaging uh, about 12 targets per game so you know you can't uh, can't uh, turn that down if you know if he's available Uh, and then closer to home for me Brett Hundley gets his first win of his career and of course it's against the rival Bears they can't seem to beat us no matter what Uh, and that win alone I think will give Hundley a little bit of slack from from some of the fans here Uh, obviously there's there's no other option so we're, we're with Hundley no matter what but you know, a lot of people getting frustrated with his play. I think that game was good for him. They let him air the ball out pretty well. And beating the Bears will always uh, endear you to the, the fans here in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, over two and a half million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. We encourage everybody to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than one million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Please note these contests are void where prohibited. AJ, it's time for our FanDuel DFS segment. Why don't you run through tonight's schedule, please? All right, so we'll start off. Um, the big favorite tonight is actually Pittsburgh, minus 250 against the Sabres. That's a 7 o'clock start with a 5.5 over under. At 7.30, uh, you've got uh, Columbus traveling to Montreal. This one's pretty close. Uh, the Canadians are minus 115. Uh, that's really just going to be your home ice advantage, a 5.5 over under on that one. The Stars travel to Florida to face the Panthers. Uh, no line on this right now. Uh, Luongo, the expected start there against potentially Kerry Lettinen tonight. Uh, you'll have to watch uh, the Rotowire starting goalie grid to make sure that's how that shakes out. Uh, starting at 8 o'clock, we got the Capitals heading to the Music City. Uh, Nashville's favorite, minus 140 there. Another 5.5 over under on that one. Philadelphia travels to Minnesota. 
Uh, minus 145 for the Wild, 5.5 over under once again. Another one-sided matchup, Arizona at Winnipeg. You got the Jets favored, minus 210. Uh, that's a pretty one-sided matchup. Helibuck's already been confirmed in goal. Uh, so if you're setting your lineups early and tend to be a set early and forget uh, that's one place you wouldn't have to worry about checking back for your netminder, a 5.5 over under there. The Golden Knights are heading up to Edmonton. No line on that right now. No confirmations on goalie, but we expect, obviously, Legacy and Talbot there. And then the late game at 1030, uh, Vancouver in L.A. Uh, you got another kind of one-sided uh, money line here. The Kings are minus 195 with Quick, the expected starter, a 5.5 over under there. Uh, for me, obviously, I'll be watching that Penguin game. Um, but outside of that one, I think the one that probably draws my attention the most is going to be that Nashville-Washington game. I think that could be a really uh, you know, fun game to watch, really interesting to see how it shakes out. Potential goaltending battle, but you know, both teams do have some pieces uh, that can score goals as well. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking for tonight. Paul, any games that grab your attention? Well, tonight, Columbus becomes my second favorite team in the NHL, AJ. They go to <laughs> Montreal. It's going to be a stiff test for the research and has because the Columbus team has got a lot of size, a big edge uh, in size, and they'll match them and maybe better them in goal with the fact they can roll out Bobrovsky, who's an annual threat to the Vezina Trophy. So Charlie Lindgren or not, the Canadians are in tough tonight against Columbus. I expect this to be a low-scoring game, and I would recommend taking the under let's go through our picks for our rosters for tonight aj all right paul so i'm gonna go uh with a pretty heavy uh winnipeg stack tonight uh, i mentioned that they're heavily favored on one side and so i'll start that off with shifley at 8300 i think that's just uh it is a high price tag to pay obviously um, but he has been so good lately that it's hard to really avoid paying that for him. Now, we talked about our difference of opinion uh, in Vegas. I like Carlson tonight at 5,600. Uh, I think he's adding a lot. Now, I'll give Paul the edge that maybe Perron would be the better play season long. But right now, with how hot of a hand he is, I like Carlson tonight, especially because he comes in at a slightly cheaper price tag than David Perron. But they do play different positions, so you certainly could figure out a way to use both of them. Uh, going to the wing, again, I'm spending pretty heavily here. I'm going to go with Phil Kessel. I think the Penguins are, are going to um, put a hurting on the Sabres tonight. Uh, this is a club that has the potential uh, to really uh, put in a lot of goals. I think the power play should be kicking uh, well. And then I'm going to go back to the Jets with Wheeler at 8,100. Again, this is another one-sided matchup. So I'm really kind of stacking both these games. And then I look to uh, Connor Hellubuck as a great, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle Connor as a great uh, value play here. He's still playing on that top line, just 4,300. He's really, really cheap option there and has the ability to produce. Carl Hagelin's going to be my last guy, 3,100. Now, this is purely a line-based decision. One, he's super cheap, so I can spend over $8,000 on three different forwards in Shifley, Kessel, and Wheeler. So that always helps. He's playing with Malkin and Kessel, and I imagine he has to at least get an assist tonight, uh, if not potentially a goal. Defensively, uh, I've pretty much spent all of my money already, so I'm going to go with Martinez for 4500 uh, He's averaging 11.5 FanDuel points per game, 
and has uh, the potential. Again, L.A. was pretty heavily favored in this matchup, and he's finding ways to get points even when he doesn't have goals. He's got eight uh, fantasy points in each of his last two games without putting an assist or a goal into the net, and that's by accumulating blocks and shots. And so a great value play for me. And then I talked about Spurgeon at the top of the show. I'm going to use him. He's only 4,400, and I think he's a steal at that price tag. Uh, I tip my hat here by a slip of the tongue, but I'm going to go Connor Hellubuck in goal for 8,300. Love the matchup tonight. Uh, I love how good he's been. He's coming off a day's worth of rest uh, that hopefully he was able to put uh, all the pieces back together. So that's what I did with my lineup. Uh, I went heavy Jets, a little bit of a, a Penguin stack there in, in Kessel and Hagelin. Uh, Paul, what did you uh, do for your uh, lineup tonight? Well, I went heavy Western Conference, I'll say. Uh, starting it off with Anze Kopitar. This guy's been one of the hottest sticks in the NHL in the last seven games, putting, putting up points in each one. Gets the home date against Vancouver. Uh, not the best defense or goaltending situation that the, the, the Kings will face this year, despite the fact that goaltending has been pretty good. I think that Kings might light them up tonight and 6600 a price tag there. Nick Backstrom playing with Chandler Stevenson and TJ Oshie. The pressure will be on uh, the Nashville team to corral Ovechkin, and I think that affords uh, Backstrom and his line mates lesser uh, defensive coverage. So I think at $5,900, another cheap center, relatively speaking. I like my my two pivots a lot here. Gives me the chance to spend up a little bit more on the wing. I begin that with wing, uh, Winnipeg Jets sharpshooter Patrick Line. Love his matchup tonight against Arizona. $7,500. So I'm certainly paying up for him. I touted David Perron, and for the first time this year, I'm going to put a, a golden knight in my lineup. Uh, like the matchup against a struggling Edmonton goalie situation. Uh, $6,300 a price tag there. In Pittsburgh, I love Patrick Hornquist's uh, play in the top six against Buffalo tonight. $5,700 a price tag there. I think it's low, and I think I could be rewarded have handsomely there. Kyle Connor's a guy that we've been touting all season long in terms of an unexpected performance uh, bump that we've seen from him, and his price tag is still only $4,300, so I'm jumping all over that to get another jet in the lineup tonight. On defense, I like my pairing i got uh, two first liners that play a lot of minutes drew doughty against vancouver at home for fifty six hundred dollars aaron ekblad i talked about his plus minus points are down but i think he could fatten up the stats tonight against the suspect dallas goaltending situation that you highlighted forty eight hundred dollars his price tag i'll agree with you in that that Connor halibucks is the standout at eighty three hundred dollars but i'll also give you a second guy to think about and that's roberto longo at seventy eight hundred dollars like the matchup against the struggling and visiting stars there and i wonder what the optimizer has in store for us well, the optimizer is uh, going a little crazy, in my humble opinion, but uh, we'll let it do what it wants to do. Uh, not uh, worried about that over or that money line. Uh, the optimizer is going to go heavy Buffalo stack and then a pretty heavy uh, Washington Capital stack as well. Starting out with Jack Eichel for seventy-two hundred. You know, top uh, top line, top power play. Uh, then Nicholas Backstrom of Washington for 5,900. I do think that number is a little bit low for Backstrom, so I can definitely uh, see uh, you know where the math came through on that one. Uh, going Alexander Ovechkin uh, for 8,800, so paying up for him. I certainly can't uh, blame anyone for that one, especially if you were going to be uh, in a 50-50. Might not be a bad time to use him. Evander Kane from Buffalo. Uh, 6,800 and Sam Reinhardt also from Buffalo for 4,200. Again, uh, both are uh, top line guys. So going the whole top line uh, or projected top line there in Buffalo uh, and both guys get power play. 
Alex Took for uh, the Golden Knights at 3,400. He's really cooled off lately, uh, and so I might hedge away from him, but he has shown the talent. Uh, Edmonton's starting to click, and so that's what has me concerned about this pick as well. Uh, going back, uh, going to the Jets, actually, Dustin Bufflin at the blue line, 5,500. Uh, that's certainly uh, one you can't blame anybody for. And then the last saver here, Justin Falk for 3,500. Uh, I don't love that pick. He's not a power play contributor. He, uh, and so, again, you know, we recommend that people uh, adjust the optimizer and use it to kind of fill out your lineup, not necessarily just running that lineup from the start. Um, so that's just a little bit of a tidbit there. And then in the Nets going with Brady, Braden Holpe tonight. Uh, that's in Nashville, that game. And so that's another one, uh, 9,400 for him. Uh, that's too much to pay up in, in my opinion for, for going into the music city, uh, where the predators are just such a good team. You know what? They went heavy on the, the Eastern conference and the optimizer. I'm notice, noticing where I went heavily on the West. It's going to be interesting to see which turns out better. And I like your squad too. We remind our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily pods from Monday to Friday, where we'll continue to cover all four major North American sports all year round in our DFS pods, where we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. But now it's time to turn to the stud of the week, where I highlighted Jason Zucker briefly. The forward from Minnesota had a great week, six goals and one helper for a guy who scored a career-high 22 goals last year. He's taken advantage of a top-six opportunity that wouldn't have come his way unless other teammates didn't land on the IR. We highlight those new roster situations as often as we can on this show, and he's become the poster boy in the past seven days. He may be the early season uh, aspiring to take advantage of similar chances that come along the way for other players, too. This is a great uh, example. His fantasy ownership rose by 24% last week. He's certainly done enough to earn a longer look in this role, and that's just a reward for his rising to the occasion. Good on him, I say. Yeah, I think a, a, a great week by Jason Zucker. Um, have to also give a tip of the cap to the Hall of Fame class here. Just want to say congratulations to a couple guy, uh, guys and gals. Dave Anderchuk, uh, who I watched firsthand uh, as a youngster living in Buffalo. Uh, I can vividly remember watching him play. A great uh, player for them in their time. Went on to play for the Maple Leafs, New Jersey Devils, Tampa Bay. Did have another brief stint back in Buffalo. Uh, Daniela Gauthier, Paul Correa, Mark Recchi, the former Penguin, actually uh, on the coaching staff now. Uh, they had to uh, substitute for him on the bench with uh, Sergei Gonchar while he was at the, the ceremonies. Obviously, Timo Solani, probably the uh, the highlight of this class. And let's not forget the builders, uh, Claire Drake and Jeremy Jacobs as well. So a great Hall of Fame class. Uh, Paul, were there any Hall of Famers here that really stood out to you? Well, I got to look at Dave Anderchuk when he came into Toronto for what amounts to the glory years of the early 90s that I enjoyed. And he was a central figure there, a dynamite player on the power play, too. Paul Correa and Timo Solani, two electric players that really were highlight reel guys uh, throughout their life uh, span in the NHL. Mark Recchi was kind of not quite that type of player, but more of an Anderchuk player, a plugger, not a plugger, but a, dyna- uh, a consistent goal scorer, I'll say. Uh, so uh, he was there on merit as well, had some success in the playoffs that furthers his resume. C- Claire Drake, a Canadian college story of some renown here in this country, been around forever and well regarded for 
the length of his career. Jeremy Jacobs, one of the more dynamic owners in the NHL. Uh, under his watch, the Boston Bruins, you can count on them to be a competitive team 99 times out of 100. So kudos to all those guys. In terms of the rant of the week, I have to talk about the Shippashoff exit in Las Vegas. I have to say, hey, pal, you made a fool of yourself here. You had a prime opportunity to make a name for yourself as a featured player in the Vegas NHL debut. Instead, you complained your way right out of town, taking a backhanded swipe at the best league on the planet when you left. Instead of speaking about how unfairly you believe you were treated and saying that your fellow Russians players are better off to stay in the KHL, just take a look at the number of players from your homeland who've thrived here quite nicely. The fact is, buddy, you weren't good enough to make it here. Well, Paul, I don't blame this guy one bit. Uh, I think this entire situation was completely botched by the Vegas front office. Uh, The guy up and moves his family. Now, let's remember, this is a 30-year-old professional, not some 18-year-old kid with no responsibilities. He moves his family over to the United States for his first shot in the NHL. When it doesn't work out, supposedly for not being good enough, which, frankly, I don't buy. I think this team was trying too hard to figure out how to avoid losing some of those defensemen or putting them on waivers, which they ended up doing anyway. Uh, And so I don't really think that he wasn't good enough. I think the club just couldn't wrap their heads around, you know, potentially putting some defensemen that they thought they had a trade market for on waivers. And then they didn't get claimed anyway because nobody wanted them. Uh, And so on, it doesn't work out fine. That's all well and good. Well, instead of giving him an unconditional release, the club makes him retire so that if he ever wanted to come back, he, it would have to be with them. I think it's no wonder he just wanted to leave as soon as possible. If I got treated like that by Vegas, I would turn down a trade to another club too. Cause I would assume it's much the same. Uh, and so I think this was very poorly handed by the Vegas front office. I don't blame him at all for, for his, uh, reaction and his, his exit. Um, and certainly I don't think it's a good look for Vegas specifically long-term in trying to recruit European or especially KHL players. Now, to your point, there's plenty of other, uh, Russian born players who have succeeded. And so I don't think overall, it's going to hurt the NHL's ability to bring these guys in, but I do think it's going to hurt Vegas's chances of recruiting anybody, uh, that might be playing over in the KHL. They're going to look at this and say, you know, if they've got offers from multiple clubs, there's no way guys are going to sign with Vegas over somebody else because of how this was handled, in my opinion. Well, I don't think we've had a, as much disagreement on any uh, stud or rant of the week all season, <laughs> so I'm going to be curious to see whether our listeners chime in. I hope they give us their opinions on who they side with, because that'll be curious to me. Uh, that wraps it up for this week's podcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at S. AJ Scholes 24 that's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z 24 we hope you've enjoyed this show and circle back to get more roster updates injury news and other topical news from around the NHL when next we meet on November the 21st we'll look back in our usual time Tuesday time slot as we did today we ask you to look out for podcast hockey pod every week so that you get your all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests so long everybody 